Amidst a pandemic, one of the best things parents can do is teach their kids emotional skills. So how do we do that? And how do we manage our own heightened emotions brought on by the uncertainty and stress of the present? These are some of the tough questions that are explored on Ted's new podcast, Checking In with Susan David. Harvard Medical School psychologist Susan David offers a support system and toolkit for managing our difficult emotions. Listen to Checking In with Susan David wherever you get your podcasts. Something I've been thinking about a lot over these last few weeks is what solutions can look like. Racism and sexism disenfranchise a huge portion of our national community, and that's been true for centuries. And because that has been the reality for so long, you wonder, or maybe you worry, how do we make moves towards any sort of lasting equity? It's obvious that changes, big systematic changes need to be made, but I want to talk about the corner of the world where I feel like I can actually lend a hand, the entrepreneurial space. Like this week's guest, Sarah Joyce, I too started my career in a male-dominated field, and like Sarah, I remember the shock of stepping into the world of work and suddenly being one of very few women. Consider that today, just 7.4% of Fortune 500 companies have CEOs who are women. That's just 37 women out of 500 people. And just three of those CEOs, literally three, are women of color. None are African-American. Just 20% of corporate board seats are held by women. And in 2019, less than 3% of all venture capital funding went to women-led companies. And as many people listening may have experienced firsthand, a recent study from the Gender Action Portal demonstrated that now, in 2020, mothers in particular still face a penalty relative to non-mothers and men in the form of lower perceived competence, higher professional expectations, lower likelihood of hiring, and lower recommended salaries. That's the motherhood penalty. When you consider that women make up 50% of the population and that 85% of women become mothers at some point, the stats are even more shocking. Sarah, who today is a leader in healthcare IT management, also leads the Boston chapter of Lean In. Lean In is an initiative from the Sheryl Sandberg and David Goldberg Foundation whose mission is to help women achieve their ambitions and work to create an equal world. Sarah's biggest piece of advice she always gives women she mentors is, raise your hand, put yourself in the game. But the thing is, if you're not even in the room, no one will see your raised hand. And that's where hiring practices have real tangible effects. So this week, that's what Sarah and I talk about. Me from my back room where I've recorded three seasons of this podcast and Sarah from her new quarantine office, the kitchen table. Last year, I wrote a book called Yes, You Can Do This, How Women Start Up, Scale Up, and Build the Life They Want. I had no idea when I sent off the final manuscript to the publisher, the world that the book would be published into. But I wrote the book as a manifesto for women to consider entrepreneurship as a way to change some of those dismal stats in leadership and to offer solutions for many of the hurdles that all women face in the workplace. Stereotypes, unconscious bias, perceived weaknesses. And I wrote too about the power of making your own space in the business world by rethinking the world of work. So for the women who are out there right now fighting for their own space and wondering how we make moves towards lasting equity, here are some more ideas. If you're in a position to do so, write the check and make the hire. Hire women, hire women of color, hire people in the LGBTQ community, hire immigrants, hire moms, and hire them for roles beyond entry level. Diversify your boards, diversify your leadership. 
I'm Claudia Reuter, and this is the third season of The 43%. Sarah, it's so great to have you on The 43%. Thanks for joining again. Thanks for having me. But, you know, for for folks who don't know who you are, you know, where you are in your career right now, could you just share, if if I were to ask you, like, who are you, what would your answer be? (laughs) Depends on the day. (laughs) Um, but I'm an executive in a, in healthcare IT. I also run a nonprofit in Boston focused on the advancement of women in the Boston area. And, uh, of course I'm a mom and a wife and volunteer for all my kids stuff, which is all on hold. So that's been a tiny bit of a welcome break these days, if I'm going to be honest. Can you share a little bit about your work with Lean In? I think, um, you know, Lean In's an organization I've been excited about for a long time. And I'd love to hear, as you're obviously a leader within it, you know, your mm-hmm. perspective on it and what led you to join it. Sure. Yep. I had several years ago, uh, the, the year after um, Cheryl had wrote the book, Lean In, I saw her uh, present the keynote at one of the Salesforce Dreamforce conferences. And I was with colleagues, and we started talking about creating a Lean In Circle at our organization which was a Boston-based healthcare IT company at the time. So I started a group at work, which turned into a few different circles, lean-in circles at work, and then really wanted to hear what others in Boston who were conducting their own lean-in circles, whether they were community-based or company-based, what they were talking about, and see if there was anything that we could do together. So I started the lean-in in a Boston group uh, virtually at first, but then it got a bit of traction, and I was invited to join the first regional leaders conference when Cheryl and team were thinking about how to connect the thousands and thousands of lean-in circles across the world and had this idea for chapters that are now networks. So I got involved then and, and kind of formally raised my hand to, to run the Boston area network. And that was four years ago now, I think. When you, So you were at a Salesforce conference when you heard you know, heard her speak and realized this was something you wanted to pursue. How has it impacted your, you know, your current role and how, how you've stepped into leadership at the organization you're, you're with right now? Mm-hmm. Um, it's certainly made me uh, more aware of diversity and inclusion organizations and as a leader in organizations. And I mean, I, I thought I was pretty aware about that stuff before, but just the conversations and the topics that we have as part of the Lean In community, just kind of eyes wide open around all the work that we really need to do in organizations for equality in general. I've done a lot with mentoring, especially for other women future leaders in organizations. Uh, and Lean In has a lot of great information for how to how to mentor and kind of grow female and females in in leadership. So that's been really helpful as well. I mean, a couple times along the way, not my current organization, which is fantastic, but I was sort of the token woman who, um, when anyone talks about gender diversity in the organization, they all reached out to me. But I'm uh, grateful that in my current organization, uh, there's more of a uh, collective ownership of diversity and inclusion in general. So I'm not in that role uh, today, which is which is nice. What are some of the the big takeaways that you've had that you try to you know share with those that you're mentoring? So one is raise your hand to volunteer for stuff. So wherever you are, whatever type of organization you're attached to, 
make sure you understand kind of what the org is trying to do strategically from a vision perspective and figure out how your strengths may come into play there and raise your hand and volunteer for ways that you can help kind of advance the company forward. Um, uh, that's mainly how I've progressed in my career over the last couple of decades um, and figuring out even when it might not be the most comfortable thing to do, but I think I could actually make a difference is, is, um, is just kind of volunteering and saying, I think I can do that or I can try that. So that's, I spent a lot of time talking to people about, um, especially women who I'm sure you've heard the stats around how women won't raise their hand for a job or for a big project unless they're 100% confident that they can do it, where men, it's more like they've got 60% of what, what's required, they're all in. Um, so encouraging women more to, you know, even if they think they've got part of the strengths and part of the skill set to do whatever it is they're trying to do, then just go for it and, and try it. You're not only working in an executive position at a big company, but you're, you know, leading efforts within, non, within Lean In. What are, how do you find the time? <laughs> Um, I don't sleep a lot, so I just kind of make it a priority. You know, you you have so much time, but you have time for the things you make a priority. And for me, especially because I work so much, figuring out how to spend time with my own kids, doing things that they like, but also for me using my strengths to help in whatever capacity for those things that they like, I've just I've made that a priority. So. For someone who's as active as you are and involved as you are, what what has it been like for you and your family under lockdown right now? You know, it's been it's been going on a while. Oh my goodness! So there are some days where I feel like a total rock star and like killing it at work. The girls actually did their schoolwork. Like I remembered to feed the dogs. Everything's going well, and there are other days where it feels like everything's falling apart. Um, so my husband has been this entire time an essential worker. He's a project engineer of the state of Rhode Island. So he works on civil infrastructure. He's been building a, or repairing a big bridge uh, project on I-95 in Rhode Island that's, that's kind of wrapping up. But he's been working five or six days a week. Um, so it's really been me um, at home with the kids. So it's been it's been an adjustment. So although... I am very happy that in this time of crisis, um, I'm in a job and a position flexible enough to spend every single day with my kids. It's been, I've had to get really creative around how to try um, to, to balance it all. And some days go better than others. Yeah. And your kids are young enough that, I mean, like my kids are now teenagers, so they're, 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 pretty reasonable. <laughs> and they understand that I'm working during the day, right? How are you keeping them engaged or, you know, being able to balance a phone call or meeting? Like, you know, what, what is, what does it look like right now? I mean, at first it was really stressful trying to figure it all out. And the first couple of weeks where their schools weren't really assigning a lot of stuff, I came up with my own schedule of things for the girls to do with my own, with my own stuff. And that actually felt a little bit easier than when the schools started assigning like, you know, real things that they needed to do. Not that my stuff wasn't real, but um, so figuring out like how they have to get in their class meetings when I might also be in a meeting has been challenging. But I took a page from my, my CFO, who was a male, one day, uh, a month and a half ago now, we were trying to find some time to connect on something. And he's like, yeah, just shoot me a note um, because, you know, I blocked some time on my calendar to help with distance learning. I was like, you did? 
And he said, yeah, I'm like, why didn't I do that? And I, I don't, I have no idea why I didn't. So my kids have class at 10 a.m., both of them. And I, so I blocked from 10 to 10.30. I don't have to be there the whole time, but just to get them set up. And some days I have to be in a meeting and it doesn't always work. But I just blocked that half hour every single day. And then I blocked some time in the afternoon to check in and figured out, like, with my younger one, she really needs me to sit with her and do math. But other stuff she'll do on her own, all her reading and writing and stuff like that. So figured out when I had to help them versus when I did not. But I listened to my male colleague and blocked some time on my calendar. And it made a world of difference. It's so interesting to hear you say that because I'm wondering if that's going to stick after the pandemic is over, like that there'll be more willingness to just share like, hey, I need to block a certain window to ensure something's happening in my home life versus, you know, completely compartmentalizing things. Do you think that anything will cross over? Yeah, I think it will. I think it will for sure. And I've seen even my CEO, my boss is, is male. And there was one day he has his third floor office in his house that he spends most of his time working throughout the day but there were a couple of days where you can tell he's sitting downstairs in his house and he said yeah I'm on school duty today even though I'm in meetings all day because my wife needed a break or had to do whatever so you know I'm on point today which was really great to hear him say that so I think people are becoming more comfortable with just the whole kind of work-life integration and we have families and we need to make sure those families are okay and it's okay to to talk about that and bring that into the workplace. Ready to live your best hair life in 2020? Then you need Function of Beauty. Function of Beauty is the internet's top-rated customized hair care brand with over 30,000 five-star customer reviews and counting. Curly or straight, natural or processed, Function of Beauty individually formulates every bottle based on your unique hair type, style preferences, and hair goals. All it takes is a short online quiz. Head to functionofbeauty.com 43 to take your own now. In just four questions, Function of Beauty helped me pinpoint what I really wanted out of my product. Lots of shine and no frizz. The products are so personalized, they even let me design the scent. I picked eucalyptus. Now my hair routine feels intentional, like it has purpose, like we've talked about KPIs and it's on track to hit its Q2 goals. Plus, Function of Beauty is vegan and cruelty-free. They never use sulfates, parabens, mineral oils, or any other harmful ingredients. To get started right now, go to functionofbeauty.com 43 to take your four-part hair profile quiz and save 20% on your first order. Don't spend another minute in hair misery. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash four three to let them know we sent you. That's functionofbeauty.com slash the number four, the number three. Functionofbeauty.com slash four three. Any expecting mothers or new moms out there? Our friends over at Fit Pregnancy Club offer prenatal and postpartum fitness and education both live and on demand. Their sweat-inducing workouts are designed to build your endurance and strength while keeping you safe by incorporating the inner core unit in everything they do. Cue the pump and kegel. Their education workshops are built around foundational topics including labor and pushing prep, pregnancy and postpartum nutrition, breastfeeding and newborn care, and doula Q&As. Also, a little tip. If you sign up for their newsletter, you'll get special gifts from brands they love throughout the year. Visit fitpregnancyclub.com videos and use promo code F 
PC43 for 30 days of free access to their on-demand platform, FPC Anywhere. So, you know, going back a bit, can you share, you've just got such a full, you know, vibrant life as you've described it personally and professionally. Can you share a little bit about how you got here? Like, what was your, what was your path to the career and the life that you have right now? So I grew up with three sisters uh, and a mom who raised us to, you know, know that we could do anything that boys could do. Um, and she was, and she, she would say that to us. So we grew up, you know, cleaning the bathrooms and doing laundry and mowing the lawn and painting the house. Like we just did a bit. I joke that she had to say that because she had no boys to do some of that work. But it wasn't really until I got out of college, out of undergrad, and I, I fell into consulting that I realized that, like, it actually wasn't equal out there in the real world, which is quite eye-opening. And some of my sisters experienced the same thing. You know, while you had been raised to you know, know anything was possible for yourself, the, the world wasn't, you know, fair or even. Can you share a little bit about what that, what that meant to you or what that looked like at the time? Yeah. And it was just seeing that a lot of the people in charge were men, even a lot of consultants when I was in technology consulting, it was mainly men. Uh, and then as I progressed further in my career, I was the only woman at the table a lot of the time. And that, that was unexpected for me. Like I wasn't, you know, I wasn't raised to understand gender disparity or anything like that. So it was, it was definitely eye-opening. Uh, but because of that, I got involved in a lot of different women's organizations along the way. As, so you're raising two, two young girls and you were raised, you said, without feeling like you had limitations placed on you. What are some of the things you're hoping to instill in them, you know, as you think about the work that you're doing today and your work with Lean In and, you know, like, what are, what are some of the things that you hope they'll, they'll remember about their childhood as they start to embark on, you know, their own lives someday? So it's interesting. So I, so when I was growing up, my friends still say this to me as adults, you know, who know my mom, that she sort of like brainwashed her girls to be like super overachievers. We all... You know, we're in like AP classes and and got good grades. And the first time I got a B in like eighth grade, I cried. Like we and school was like really, really important to her. And it was really important to her that we did well. And we all did pretty well. All of us have our master's degrees and we did pretty well. But to me, like now that I'm, you know, a seasoned career person, like I realized that it's more like the social side of things and networking really that, um, that really get you further. Like some of the smartest kids that I knew growing up are not necessarily the most successful adults, right? So, um, so for me, it's focusing more, a little bit more on, you know, talking about feelings and resilience and growth mindset and things like that, as opposed to just straight academics. Um, so even the home-based learning stuff that we're doing now, so my kids are doing it, but they're not doing all of it. So I've prioritized like the stuff that they, that I know that they have to hand in. And, you know, I, for whatever reason, I feel like math is the easiest thing to fall behind in. So we, we do do a lot of math, but a lot of the other stuff, I mean, they already read all the time and they enjoy writing and I just let them kind of do their own thing there. So I prioritize academics less and more about um, social awareness and, I mentioned growth mindset and things like that 
more. So we talk way more about um, our feelings and what happened in situations than I ever did growing up. Like it was so that, and I, I and before I had kids, I just assumed I would do things the same way my own parents did them. But I do things very differently, um, and it's just because a lot of the things I learned along the way about the world and equality and self, you know, self-importance and confidence in those things and how to instill those differently in kids than just focusing on kind of doing well in school. That's it for this episode of The 43%. We'll be back next week with another conversation with an inspiring woman. If you could take just a minute to rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening, I'd really appreciate it. Thanks again. The 43% is produced by me, Claudia Reuter, Maddie Foley, and the entire team at Wonder Media Network. Our executive producer is Jenny Kaplan. You can follow Wonder Media on Twitter at WMN Media and on Instagram at WMN.media. I'm on Twitter too at Reuter underscore Claudia. You can also learn more about each episode at www.the43percent.com. Talk to you next week and thanks again for listening. Before you go, I have a quick request. We're eager to know more about our audience, so we created a short listener survey to help us learn more about you. Visit wondermedianetwork.com forward slash survey to share your thoughts and be entered to win some Wonder Media Network swag. That's wondermedianetwork.com slash survey. You can also find the link in the episode notes.